Hello and welcome to the Heart of Markness podcast. We have yet another bonus episode today. It is Jimmy Page, which is odd because it's like, don't you do Zeppelin stuff on Thursdays? I do. And on the weekends, I do the latest Mike Millard release. And the latest Mike Millard release is Mr. James Patrick Page at the L.A. Forum on October 7th, 1988. Pretty awesome. Now, I have already covered the Outrider Tour itself on the Heart of Markness. I've already covered uh, Jimmy Page Show, my favorite one, the one I attended in Worcester, uh, Massachusetts, October 29th. For the Heart of Markness, and now we're doing another Jimmy Page. Okay, so on one hand, I'm sorry for doing a treble covering of a very short concert tour. However, it's his best playing post-Zeppelin, hands down, with the possible exception of his playing on the 1998 Page Plant Tour, which I think was Walking Into Everywhere Tour. Um... The longer that tour went on, the better his playing got. And I don't know, I, I, can't, I, I can't say off the top of my head if he's exceeding this level of playing or if he's matched it in 98. I think it's just a matter of, of Jimmy on top of his game is Jimmy on top of his game. And on this tour, the Outrider tour, he was on top of his game. He knew, he knew, he had, he knew he had something to prove. He knew that he had... Um, that he that he needed to reassert his dominance as Jimmy Page because for the last half decade you know since the demise of Zeppelin you know his playing and his appearances have all kind of been uh his stats have been kind of listed with an asterisk next to them in the book in that like the arms tour was like oh well he was kind of a mess but some of his playing was good. It was nice to hear him play again, but he was obviously dealing with substance issues. Asterisk. The Firm. Well, it's nice to see him back, and he's got a project going, and it's really professional, and it's a great band, but they're not doing Zeppelin songs, they're not doing Yardbird songs, they're not doing Free songs, and they're not doing Bad Company songs. They're only doing new material. Asterisk. Plus, his playing, although, although good... Um, he seemed to use flanges and chorus pedals. Um, now I, I may be projecting, but, uh, when I was a guitar player and I used chorus and flange pedals, um, sometimes it was for effect, like, oh, this is nice, but it's also really, really good at covering up sloppy playing. If you're doing fast runs and you have something that blurs, I mean, the chorus pedal and a flange, it's almost, it's kind of a blur tool for uh, audio in the same way a blur tool for a picture can you know make it a little fuzzier and a little more impressionist looking and make it beautiful in ways when artfully applied or it can you know blur things to imperceptibility um so jimmy had done the the firm and it was it was good it was good the band itself was great you guys know how i feel about the firm um but in 88, he knew he had to come back and prove himself. He knew he had to come back and prove himself, A, by playing the songs everybody wanted to fucking hear, and B, by playing them 
like Jimmy fucking Page is supposed to play them. Because back in 19, back in the 80s, there was no internet. The bootleg culture, you know, bootlegs existed, but not a lot of people knew about them. And you could get them mostly on vinyl or in the back of Goldmine magazine. And if you were trading tapes, then you were already in and knew this. But, you know, for 90% of the listening audience, Jimmy Page was awesome because Jimmy Page was awesome and the song remains the same. So, and Led Zeppelin. So if Jimmy Page is playing and the song remains the same and you're listening to 1973 Jimmy Page and you go to a firm show in 1985 or 86 and go, wait a minute, <laughs> this, is this the same guy? He's not even this, playing the same way. And the B-Bender and all that stuff, he changed a lot. Um, so by 88, when, I don't know if it was a deal made or both parties, but Robert Plant and Jimmy Page decided to play Zeppelin materials in their solo shows, which revitalized both their careers at that time because the momentum of being in Zeppelin was starting to wear off as they drifted further and further from that coastline. And the energy put forth from their solo careers was not superstar level um, as far as the adulation and the fame and, you know, the firm satisfaction guaranteed is a great, great, great song. But if it were a Led Zeppelin song, it would be a good Led Zeppelin song, but you know, radioactive, all the King's horses tear down the walls. You know, the, 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 the singles from the firm were, Fair as far as chart performance, they did okay. And you don't need the singer from Free and Bad Company and the guitarist from Led Zeppelin to put together a group that does okay. And they didn't do anything that everybody else hadn't done. Asia was a super group, Emerson, Lake, and Powell. You know, everybody mixed and matched groups because everybody by the 80s, all the 70s stars from the 80s, bands were imploding, people were pushing 40 and having midlife crises and supergroups abounded supergroups abounded i mean steve howe and jeff downs left asia grabbed john wetton from king crimson and created asia yay and then that fell apart and then what did steve howe do he went and formed gtr with steve hackett from genesis was it awesome no it was ridiculously overproduced it's like <clears throat> it's like exponential Def Leppard overproduction, in my opinion. Not my thing. That's all I'm saying. Um, all right, Mark, you're seven minutes in and you're rambling like a madman. What the fuck is going on? Nothing. I've drunk a lot of fresh French press very recently, and uh, I'm raring to go. So let's see if I can find my breadcrumbs back to what I was talking about. Yes, 1988, Jimmy Page. Excellent playing, excellent playing. He knew he had to prove himself, especially after the unmitigated disaster of the Atlantic 40th anniversary Led Zeppelin reunion, the one that was supposed to be professional, the one that was supposed to take the taste of Live Aid out of everybody. Live Aid? Yeah, Live Aid. Out of everyone's mouth. And, oh boy, was that a disaster. It was a disaster from a sound standpoint, because on the television feed and the broadcast feed, there were uh, 
after about the first 16 bars of Kashmir, there were no keyboards and all the effects were gone. It was just direct Robert Plant voice and direct Jimmy Page, Dan Electro guitar. And then Jimmy's playing was, uh, I mean, he, It, it, it was a disaster. So they, he knew he had something to prove. Outrider was a great album in, in as much as playing. It sounds, a lot of it sounds like demos that he would bring to Zeppelin. But it was definitely Jimmy Page and his playing was incredible and it was diverse and you heard myriad colors and flavors of Jimmy Page in Outrider. And when the tour came, oh my God, was it great because it wasn't, going to see Jimmy Page in the firm. It was a difference between going to church and going to see Jesus um, for me and for a lot of folks because you went there and suddenly you're seeing the Jimmy Page from the song remains the same. You're seeing a guy that's a master of his instrument wielding it practically clear-mindedly and with great effect. Holy mackerel, was it good. So having Mike Millard record this show at the L.A. Forum, of all places, the temple, the house of the holy, where Zeppelin would usually hit a high watermark, always, almost, I think. I can't think of any Biff shows that they did at the Forum. Um, it was always a high watermark for them. That's where Listen to This Eddie and For Badge Holders Only was recorded by this gentleman, Mike Millard, um, as well as the run in 1975 in March. Excellent, excellent stuff. So having Mike Millard recording Jimmy is exciting. Um, there is a caveat in that this recording is a little bit fucked up. Um, it's a first generation, which is fine. A first generation Mike Millard is fine because it's a very good first generation. It hasn't been in circulation that I've seen. And uh, this is as close to the source as we can get. And it was released by Gems, who did an awful lot of work to fix it up because it sounds like from what the notes say that um, there's a little bit of, 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 of lost tape and distortion. And at the very beginning, as Mike set up his rig uh, a, a touch late, that's fine. But. What happens is it sounds like, from what I've read and what the, what the people who, who were restoring this tape concluded, is that um, one of the mic plugs, uh, apparently the Nakamichi that he used had, had three mic inputs, left, right, and blend, and that it was um, it had been plugged, one something, one of the mics had been plugged into the blend jack, so the sound was out of phase. And in order to fix it, it's an easy fix. Like they say, it's an easy fix to do in Audacity or in an audio workstation nowadays. Because you just go click, process, done. But what that means is uh, phase is simply, if you're not familiar with that, it is um, when a speaker is playing audio, it's, it's moving in and out. And that in and out is the up and down sound wave. It pushes in and out and creates the sound and vibrates at the level of that sound, replicating that sound. When something is out of phase, it means the two speakers, when they should both be pushing out, one is pushing out and one is pulling back. And when that happens, the out of phase means that there are sound signals that are canceled. Because if you've got one speaker pushing out, say, plus seven, and the other speaking speaker is pushing out minus seven, the net result is zero and no sound. It's the principle by which noise-canceling headphones work. They take the sound that you're hearing, 
and just supply the anti-sound wave, canceling it out, giving you peace and quiet in a noisy aircraft, for example. So that was that there were phase issues on this recording that were fixed, but in doing so, in order to preserve that sound and keep that a whole swaths of signal being lost, it presents a very narrow, almost mono soundstage instead of a nice, beautiful, wide stereo soundstage. That's totally fine. It's not something you, that you might even notice. It's just um, an unfortunate circumstance of um, a fucked up setup that did not destroy the recording, but kept it from being as broad and expansive and miraculous as it could have been. All right. Well, hey, I pissed away 12 and a half minutes of your life. I apologize. So let's get to it. We've got wonderful James Patrick Page. I'm going to stick to... What am I going to stick to? I'm not even going to waste any more time telling you my methodology. Here we have Jimmy Page, October 7th, right? 7th, LA Forum, Inglewood, California. I'm going to play for you first song he plays, or that I'm playing of his, is Tear Down the Walls, which is a song by The Firm off the Mean Business album. And you're like, The Firm, you just spent six minutes shitting on The Firm, and now you're playing The Firm. First of all, I did not shit on them. They're a great band. They're a great band. This song, good song. I like it better the way Jimmy plays it than he did in The Firm because it has more balls than it does, say, chorus and flange effects. Not even the, I don't know. I like it. Here you go. Tear Down the Walls, sung by John Miles. Bass is played by Durbin Laverde. John Miles, um, he was a solo artist in the 70s, and I guess he had a hit that I can't remember at the time. He also sang for the Alan Parsons Project on the album Stereotomy. Stereotomy, we can make it together. And he sang on the Outrider tour, and he has a great voice, and he can do Robert's high range, no problem. He's just great. And Jason Bottom on drums. Little Jason Bottom, who is playing well. I don't care for his drum sound on this tour, but now I'm just being a pissy comic book guy. Thank you very much. No, I do not. Um, all right. God, why can I not get started? I'm sorry, guys. Tear down the walls. James Patrick Page. L.A. Forum, 1988. Enjoy. Really good song.
we've got another woman now from uh, Outrider. She's called Emerald Eyes. That was nice. One thing I wanted to mention, and I didn't want to mention it before the song, since I'd already burned up 14 and a half minutes bullshitting, um, was that song, the beginning of that song, was the um, whole lot, of, it was a break from the Nebworth Whole Lot of Love performances from 1979, also used on the Atlantic Reunion performance of Whole Lot of Love in 1988 in April, I believe, or May. Um, it's interesting, this song, because he had broken a string going into it. So that was supposed to flow directly from the Rites of Winter, which is a song on Outrider. It was supposed to do Rites of Winter tapering off into that little break, straight into Tear Down the Walls. You know how Zeppelin would do it? They would just play like three songs in a row and not give you time to breathe. Um, that was what was supposed to happen, but he broke a string. And right, I mean, at the right moment, the song ended, so he didn't, you know, it didn't ruin anything. It was just like, oh, I broke a string. And the guy came out and fixed it, and then they jumped right back in. So um, that was something you didn't get to hear, although you could hear it when you download this show, which you will, can do for free from theheartofmarkness.com. And... Um, Let's get the set list out of the way so you can evaluate whether you want this whole show. The show opens with Who's to Blame, the Death Wish 2 song. It is excellent. Now, here's the problem with that. This is um, when Mike was setting up his equipment and screwed some things up, and there's missing music. And rather than having, you know, the (laughs) sound of cables being plugged in and unplugged and things being rattled around, the Gems group just excised all that. So Who's to Blame is a little weird. It's kind of a little strokey sounding because there are just pieces of it missing. So it doesn't flow quite as smoothly, although it's excellent. Then we get into a Prelude, the, uh, and again from Death Wish 2, which blends right into Over the Hills and Far Away, which is fantastically performed. I'm not including it because I think I've included it already in every other Jimmy Page Outrider podcast I've done, and I'm trying to mix it up a bit. From Over the Hills and Far Away, it goes into Liquid Mercury, which is a track off of Outrider, an instrumental track, quite good, into Wanna Make Love, which is an Outrider track, which I was going to feature, but I'm already featuring a bunch of songs, and it just didn't make the final cut, although it is very good and has a dirty, dirty tone and some nice um, uh, wah-wah pedal. No, not wah-wah pedal. Whammy bar. There we go. Whammy bar work. So where are we? Liquid Mercury, Want to Make Love, Into Rites of Winter, beautiful Outrider instrumental that we were just discussing, Into Tear Down the Walls, which you just heard, which goes into Emerald Eyes, which you're going to hear in a moment. Midnight, which goes into Midnight Moonlight with Black Mountainside, played on the good old Dan Electro, going into In My Time of Dying, played on the good old Dan Electro, City Sirens, the uh, Death Wish 2 song, which is also the excuse to, um, no, not there, sorry, which goes into the Jason Bonham drum solo, which is cute, but it was something that you needed to see because it was very visual because he had digital drum pads 
I mean, he had his drum set, but on either on stage left and stage right, front stage left and stage right, he had uh, drum pads playing. So he would walk across the stage and everyone would go, yay, John Bonham's kid. And then he would play the drum pads. It was very well done, but it was something like the bow solo, something that you, you need to see to appreciate. Otherwise, you're just listening to... So there you go. Uh, drum solo into Someone to Love, another firm song, fun firm song, into Prison Blues, into The Chase, Death Wish 2, Excuse to Do the Bow Solo, The Bow Solo, into A Very Fast Run of Dazed and Confused, excellent, Wasting My Time, the, uh, the, the single off the Outrider album, Blues Anthem, excellent acoustic and electric mix, Custard Pie, which is insanely good, Train Kept a Rollin', insanely good, and an instrumental stairway to heaven that is typically sublime. So there you go. If you like all those songs, download it at heartofmarkness.com for free, rub it against your bare chest, and rock back and forth and make happy noises. All right, what's our next song, Mark? Well, our next song is going to be Emerald Eyes. Actually, we're going to do a little run uh, track seven, eight, and nine, tear down the walls into Emerald Eyes, into Midnight Moonlight. We're going to play those. We just played tear down the walls. We're going to go into Emerald Eyes. Great solo track with great solo playing. Get ready to hear Jimmy fucking page in the eighties, Emerald Eyes. And I know two women who claim that this song has been written about them.
Here's some of the crowd. Um, the guy that you could hear going, oh, Midnight Moonlight in the crowd. You hear him earlier, like when I was mentioning Jimmy broke his string. And he's like, oh, sorry, I had to stop and broke a string. The guy's like, it's okay, man. Shit happens. And it's just, it's, 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 it's cute. It's really cute. And uh, I kept that in. The, the audience chatter and stuff because I'm trying to give a flow since they are just chronological progressions in the, in what I'm playing. So, uh, all right. Well, you know what's going to happen. You know the date. You know who the artist is. You know the podcast you're listening to. So let's get right to it. Midnight Moonlight slash Black Mountainside. This is really good. This is really, really good. Great song. And, you know, I almost... I wish I had a firm version that was as good, in my opinion, as the Outrider versions. And um, you guys, any of you who who are more are, are more well versed in live firm shows than I, if you can suggest a firm show with an out of this world Midnight Moonlight, I would love to hear it. All right, Midnight Moonlight, y'all. See you in about twelve, thirteen minutes. <sighs>
like that. I like that. John Miles does a good version. He puts some, uh, he puts some, uh, Willie Wellington into it. Um, and Jason Bonham, good drummer, 22 years old on that tour. Jeepers creepers. Jeepers creepers. All right, we're coming up on 44 minutes, and I still have two more songs I want to play for you, so I am neither going to dilly nor dally. Let's get the social media hoo-ha out of the way. You can find me on Twitter, at Heart of Markness. I have a Facebook group, Heart of Markness. You're welcome to join. I implore you to join. I invite you. It'll be fun. There's cool stuff there, cool people there. Um, I'm also on YouTube now cause that's a thing and I'm getting more plays on that than I expected. So you can find my podcasts on YouTube. It's just the audio. It's not a video thing cause who the hell needs to see me do this? Nothing is to be gained. Uh, heartofmarkness.com is the website that I mentioned earlier where you can find the podcasts, find some other stuff I think is cool that doesn't necessarily make it to the podcast as well as links to download the complete show of the concerts I cover, uh, where applicable. Sometimes I can't, sometimes I won't this time I will. So you can get this Jimmy page show. It's already uploaded to the mega cloud server. So it'll be up by the time you hear this. What else do I have? Patreon. If you would like, if you like what I do and you'd like to support it, support it and support me and put some coin behind that, you are welcome to go to patreon.com slash heart of Markness and uh, see if there's something there that tickles your fancy and you get an extra podcast just for you and the other patrons that other folks don't get as well as really honest to God, tangibly support the podcast and my humble self. I'll read your name off too, so you can be famous. Just like I'm about to do now. Here they are, the titans upon whose shoulders rests the heart of Markness. A laurel and hearty handshake go out to Michael, Rob, Wayne, Brad, Danielle, Tracy, David, Peter, Mark, Other David, Bill, Mimo, and Avi. Thank you very much, human beings, for helping me do this, supporting me in doing this, encouraging me to do this, and now obligating me to do it when the devil on my shoulder says, ah, fuck it, do it later. Now I can say, I can't, I am obliged. So thank you very much. All right, if you want to be in that number, you're welcome to join. Otherwise, it's a free podcast, always will be. Thank you for just listening. I would also love a review if you're so motivated on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Um, I found out this week that not all of the podcast platforms have places to leave a review because a lot of them just grab the RSS feed and, and just pass it through. But, you know, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, things like that. If you're so motivated and want to take a couple minutes to leave a review, it would be most welcome. All right. Now we're going to get to... I'm going to play Prison Blues because that's not a song I've played on any of my other Outrider episodes. And it's just a... It's, it's a dumb song. It was a, it was a one-off thing done in the studio with Chris Farlow singing. Chris Farlow, aside from being Chris Farlow, the solo artist... Um, 
sang on Death Wish 2. He was the vocalist on Death Wish 2. And a friend of Jimmy's, and he came in the studio, sang a couple of songs on Outrider, like including Hummingbird, which was excellent. Prison Blues. Prison Blues, great dirty blues. Great dirty blues. And it's nice to hear Jimmy playing dirty uh, Les Paul blues again. It's just the lyrics, because they were made up on the spot, were dumb. It took me a while to get over that, because I'm petty and dumb and egotistical myself. But, um... Great blues number, and it's just a knockdown, drag out, roadhouse, dirty ass blues. So let's hear it. Prison blues, Mr. Page. See you in a few.
was good it's nice to hear jimmy play dirty blues and uh, john miles did a good job john miles did a good job through this whole concert it's not you know it's a tall order to be like you need to sing robert plant songs you need to sing paul rogers songs and then of course your own and then chris farlow and he performed ably jimmy found a good band Durban Laverde, Durban Laverde, sorry, he deserves to hear, have his name pronounced fully and uh, audibly. Good, solid bass player. Now, this dude, when I saw them, just pretty much stood like John Entwistle and just played bass in one spot. But he played really well. And Jason Bonham, the older I get, the more I respect that dude. Nicely done. All right, we're going to wrap this up because we're coming up on almost an hour. And there's one more song I want to play for you, and it is one that I've played before from Outrider shows, but it's just so goddamn good that I love it. It is Custard Pie. And Custard Pie, as I've mentioned before, Custard Pie is Jimmy's nod to Robert's Tall Cool One and the Zeppelin songs that Robert sampled in that song. Those same songs that Robert sampled, Jimmy plays in the middle of... uh, custard pie so there's little bits of the ocean there's little bits of black dog and it is really really cool and clever and smart and well 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 done so here we go custard pie mr james patrick page on october 7th 1988 at the la forum here we go friends
And there we have it, friends. There's a lot more to this show and a lot more that I could have played. I could have played, I mean, I could have played all the hits, but I wanted to play some stuff. I wanted you to hear some of the firm songs that were kind of, they were not repurposed. They were just performed with more oomph from Jimmy. Um, and I wanted you to hear Custard Pie because it's just badass. And Midnight Moonlight was something I don't want to include because on this tour it was riveting. So I hope you enjoyed it, my dear friends. We're just over an hour now, so I am going to tap out and get this posted. And I will be back on Thursday. Uh, if this is your first visit to the Heart of Markness, welcome. Here's the deal. Every Thursday I do a Led Zeppelin or Led Zeppelin adjacent podcast with live recordings from, you know, Zeppelin or Page Plant or, you know, something like this. On the weekends, typically the GEMS, J-E-M-S group, um, taper group, releases a new Mike Millard, the gentleman who taped this show, uh, recording. Usually a master or, or a first gen if there's not one out there already. Um, and this week it happens to be Jimmy Page, but, you know, <laughs> that's not the case. It's usually like the last few have been like The Firm. I've done Fleetwood Mac, Queen, Thin Lizzy, um, whole bunch of stuff. So uh, Neil Young, twice. It's um, it's really cool, the weekend ones, because it's it's just more like classic rock podcast as opposed to Led Zeppelin. In this case, you know, the Twain uh, did meet. But uh, next Thursday, I'll be back with a Led Zeppelin show for you to peruse, kind of leaning towards. Well, I'm not leaning towards it, but there are, are uh, voices clamoring for Chicago 77. So maybe I'll do that. We will see. In any case, I'll see you Thursday. Thank you very much for listening. Be good to yourself and be good to each other. Bye bye.